Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Acts chapter 21, we're going to jump right in. We'll pick up our study in verse 15. Acts 21, saints, beginning in verse 15, if you're with me, say amen. 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 And after those days, we packed and we went up. You always go up to Jerusalem. You never go down because it's the city of God. That's another Bible study. So we went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples, yep, from Caesarea, went with us and brought with them a certain Nason. Nason was of Cyprus. Nason was an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when he had come to Jerusalem, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Well, on the following day, Paul went in with us. Us, Luke, is with them to James, and all the elders were present. And when he had greeted them, Paul, he told them in detail. Would you circle that, highlight it, underline it, remember it? We'll come back to it. He told them in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, what did they do, saints? They glorified the Lord. And they said to him, you know, it would be nice if they put a period right there. And they glorified the Lord. That would be nice. But you want to notice what they went on to say. They said to him, you see, brother, Paul, how many thousands of Jews were there who have believed. And they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Never said that. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. Here's what we ought to do about it. We have four men who have taken a vow. That's a Nazarite vow. You'll find it in Numbers chapter 6. Four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you, Paul, are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and you keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will find that in Acts chapter 15. We've discussed that already. 
Now stop right there. Give me your attention. If you haven't been with us, last week we were talking about Paul, who is making his progress toward Jerusalem. And Paul and some Gentile disciples are carrying an offering that was collected from the Gentile outreach churches from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the first church. Churches came out of the church of Jerusalem, went into all the world, dispersed and planted more churches. Paul went to those churches on his missionary journeys, collected money, particularly on his third missionary journey, collected money from those Gentile churches to bring that money to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was somehow maybe in a famine or maybe just in financial difficulty. And so Paul has gathered money, he's collected money, and they are carrying it back to Jerusalem. All the way from these churches headed toward Jerusalem, Paul has been stopping at the various churches. And remember last week we talked about this. Paul would go to these areas and he was searching out or diligently seeking fellowship and disciples and people who he could fellowship with. Also, everywhere he went, as he was traveling from one place to another, people and prophets have been warning him not to go to Jerusalem because there is trouble waiting At the same time that the people and prophets, are you listening? At the same time, the people and the prophets are warning Paul that there's trouble in Jerusalem. Paul says, I'm bound in the spirit and I have to go to Jerusalem. So what we have is Paul knew he was going, but he had this conflicting counsel from other people. Paul says, I got to go to Jerusalem. And as a matter of fact, You want to look at it in Acts 21, look at verse 14. In Acts 21, look at verse 14. When he would not be persuaded, we see saying the will of the Lord be done. Notice that Paul knew he was going to Jerusalem and listen close. He could not be persuaded. Why? Because he had already been persuaded. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, it's in Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. And look at verse 37. Look at Romans chapter 8. Now, Paul had already been persuaded. Look, look, Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. People on this side of the room, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Good. Look at verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are, what saints? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principal guys you got to read it with me i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord paul was already persuaded That's why he couldn't be persuaded because Paul already knew, listen, if I go to Jerusalem and I die in Jerusalem, I've already been persuaded that I cannot be separated from the love of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul talks about looking for eternal things. The reason why Paul couldn't be persuaded because his mind was on heaven. 
And Paul knew, you know, remember he said to be absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. Paul knew, he said, hey, I would rather be with you. He says, but but I know that if I go to be with the Lord, that's all the gain. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Paul already knew that if I go to be with the Lord, that's great. Right now I have a ministry here. But either way, my mind is on heaven. My heart is in heaven. So the people and the prophets who were seeking to persuade him from going to Jerusalem, he couldn't be persuaded because he had already been persuaded and comforted by the Spirit as it relates to things eternal. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. Amen. Paul wasn't afraid of death. You know, before I became a Christian, I was afraid of death. I'm going to be honest with you, I was. You know, like the fear of the unknown. You know, what's on the other side? And I was afraid of death before I became a Christian. But, you know, when I became a Christian, all of a sudden that fear of death, it went away. I wasn't afraid of death. And I started reading the Bible. I'm like, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I started to read the scriptures and find out what it is to be like in heaven. And I found out that, you know, heaven is where I'm supposed to be. Right now, I'm kind of out of place. Okay, there's two of us agree with that. Right now, I'm out of place. Somebody say amen. Amen. We're just out of place. Out of place. This is not your place, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. We're just strangers, pilgrims, passing through, looking for a place eternal in the heavens. That's where we're going. So I started realizing that as a Christian, I'm really out of place and I'm not comfortable here anyway. I find this struggle in my flesh and I've all these battles and all of a sudden the things that I used to do and I was comfortable when I used to do those things. But then when I became a Christian, now I'm not comfortable doing the things I used to do. And, and I'm like, what's that? I mean, all of a sudden now sin becomes apparent to me. And Paul says the things that I want to do in Romans chapter 7, those are the things I don't want to don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the very things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And then he goes on to talk about, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Who? He didn't say what shall deliver me. He said who? Amen. He didn't say AA is going to deliver me. Triple A. <laughs> he said who? That's a person. Then he said, I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord. So becoming a Christian, everything changed for me. And now I realize that, hey, I'm out of place. I'm not afraid of death anymore. And good thing that I became a Christian. I told you last week, going to Okinawa, Japan, I had just become a Christian a week before that. And I find myself stationed in Okinawa, Japan and flying there. And then just about eight to ten years later, in 1990, then I find myself in Saudi Arabia for Desert Storm. And now I'm in a war situation. And I always feared going to war. That was another thing coming up as a kid. I never wanted to go to war. Don't ask me why I joined the Navy. I don't know. Something came over me. And, uh, but I found myself on an airplane headed to Desert Storm. And we got off the plane. And you know, honestly, I wasn't fearful anymore. 
We got off that plane. We didn't know what to expect on the ground. We had no idea. We got off the plane, and they told us as we were coming in for a landing, put your helmets on, get your flak jackets ready, get your weapons ready. You always had to be ready as a soldier in the military. That's a whole nother sermon, Christian. But we need to be ready. Amen? Amen. We got off that plane and found myself at the Persian Gulf. You know, guys, I told you this story. We, I got to the, on the port of El Jabal. Saudi Arabia, the Persian Gulf, it's beautiful. Jumped in, came with my seat bag. I threw my seat bag down. We had just gotten there. I'm telling you, probably 10 minutes after they got us in that airplane hangar. If you remember, the newspapers had pictures of it where there were thousands of soldiers stuck in these airplane hangars. And that's where some stayed for several weeks, maybe even a couple of months, actually, as we were just preparing for war and getting geared up. So I got there, and I had my sea bag, and I had all my stuff, and I'm stationed with the Marine Corps as a medic. And, and, and I dropped my sea bag, I grabbed my Bible, I got myself up on a big trash can or some kind of item, and I held my Bible up, and first thing I said, hey, I'm going out for a Bible study, anybody coming? And there was 40 guys that showed up to that Bible study, just like that. And some of them, I couldn't believe they were there. I looked at one guy, I said, what you doing here? I said, man, you, man, I thought, man, you pick up a Bible, it'll burn up in your hand. <laughs> That's right, I said it, burn up. Not burned up, burn up in your hand. Well, I just gonna come in the Bible, you make sure I'm right with God, you know what I mean? Hey, this is time to get right with God, preacher, this is time to get right with, they just call me deacon in the military. Deacon, by the time I get right with God, I said, you should have got right with God before you got here. Now, all of a sudden, you want to get right with God. Somebody said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. And that's the truth. We had a Bible study. And I remember, I, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, after being there for about, uh, I don't know, I was there for about maybe six to eight weeks, I was stationed at... Uh, a hospital in a hospital that the military rented and uh, I'm working for a commander and a Navy captain and because I could type and I had some administrative skills so okay Vince you're gonna do it you know and uh, the whole time I had Bible study the, every single day we had Bible study we had prayer it was actually one of the most blessed spiritual growing times I ever had and you get real close to guys when you're in a war situation. You guys become brothers and sisters. There's some ladies there, too. And you become brothers, and you get tight with these guys, and they are your family while you're there. It's an interesting thing that happens emotionally when you're in that kind of war environment with the threat of war. And so I remember I, I received orders about six to eight weeks after I was there. I got these orders to transfer to, I think I was to go to up north, northern California, San Francisco area. I was supposed to transfer and because I worked for the commander and the captain, I got my orders in my hand, and I put them in my desk, and I kept my orders because I couldn't leave, because I felt like if we all came there together, then we were all supposed to go home together. So it was hard. <laughs> so I'm walking down the hall one day, and I see the captain. And he goes, uh, Finch? Yes, sir. Uh, did you get orders? 
I said, uh, yes, sir. And I had had these orders in my desk for like several weeks now. And he says, uh, did you get orders? I said, yes, sir. He goes, why didn't you take them? Why didn't you go? Well, how come you're still here? And I said, because, you know, I'm, I, I, I wanted to stay with the guys. What are you, crazy? <laughs> I said, uh, well, you know, he says, well, I said, I can't leave. He says, yes, you can, and you will leave tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. And I'm, what do you say? Yes, sir. And the next morning, I was on a plane. I think we headed to Madrid, Spain, on my way home, and then to Germany, then to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I know this is, like, totally not what I'm teaching. But, uh, but I remember my mom, I went to her job, and she thought I was in Saudi Arabia. I never called her and told her I was coming home. Didn't call Elvira and tell her I was coming home. I thought I might just surprise them. <laughs> so I went to my mom's job. They called her, uh, Gertrude Lilly, somebody's at the office to see you. So I, she comes to the office. I'm in the main office, and I'm standing there in my uniform. And she physically almost had a heart attack and died. She did. Oh, y'all are so sick. You're laughing at that. That is so sick. And she was like, oh, she just like, you know, and she was so shocked. And then we called my wife. And, and, and but I, I went there and God really, really did a work in my heart and in my life. And I was no longer afraid of death. I wasn't afraid of death. That's why I stayed. And I don't think anyone needs to be afraid of death if you're a Christian. Now, rightly so. If you're not a Christian, I guess you might want to be afraid of death. Yeah, that's true. But, non, but, but Christians, we don't need to be afraid of death because death just means we changed the dresses. We moved. We didn't die. We moved. We changed the dresses, and now we're in heaven. And Paul says, I'm persuaded that I'm going to heaven. I don't need to be sad. I don't need to be fearful. I don't need to be fearful to go to Jerusalem because of the trials and the sufferings. The Spirit has already shown me these things, Paul said, and now I'm prepared. Paul says, I'm going. And so what do they do? They start their travel according to our text in verse 16. Notice they start their travel from Caesarea to Jerusalem. It's approximately 65 miles for you note takers. And then notice in verse 15, I want to draw your attention to this guy named Nason because the Bible tells us he's an early disciple. We don't know. Give me your attention. We don't know how early a disciple he really is. He could be as early as Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on the church and cloven with cloven tongues of fire. And he could have been there as an early disciple. He could have even gone back further than that to be a disciple who followed Jesus. Because remember, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. There were hundreds and hundreds of disciples. The word disciple means to follow. It means to imitate. And so there were many people as disciples, many men and women as disciples following Jesus and imitating him and being followers. And they saw the miracles of feeding the 5,000 and two fish and five loaves of bread and the, the, the sick healed and the dead raised. And, and he could have seen all of those things, been as early as that. He could have been one of the 500, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, one of the 500 who saw Jesus post-resurrection. He could be as early as that. We really don't know much more about this guy named Nason of Cyprus, except what it tells us here in the text, that he was an early disciple. Notice in verse 17, and when we had come to Jerusalem, the we 
Who are they? I want to tell you, there are nine guys traveling at this point. There's Paul, there's Dr. Luke. Notice he says we, Dr. Luke. And then remember these guys, Sopater, Aristarchus, Segundus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus. That's the team. So they finally arrive in Jerusalem. And the next day, you want to notice in verse 18, on the following day, they went to the Calvary Chapel in Jerusalem. (laughs) There really is a Calvary Chapel in Jerusalem today. Pastor Bradley Antonovich is his name. And they've got a wonderful, sweet fellowship there. And they worship the Lord. Jewish people know how to worship. And they worship the Lord, and, and uh, it's a great church. His wife plays the most beautiful violin you ever heard. Matter of fact, you know that song we used to do here, Kadosh? Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Elohim, Sebayot. That's Hebrew for holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Kadosh means holy in Hebrew. And uh, I learned that song there. As a matter of fact, at the Calvary Chapel in Jerusalem. And so what we have here is these team of men. They arrive at the church and James is the half brother of Jesus. And James, listen close, is the pastor of this Calvary Chapel in Jerusalem. He's the pastor, which means to us that Peter, watch this, couldn't be the first pope because James was the first pastor of the first church. It's not that hard. (laughs) Peter couldn't be the first pope. So here's the scene. Now, Paul hands Pastor James, if you will, all the money that's collected from the Gentile outreach churches. So Paul began to tell James, notice in your Bibles in verse 19, Paul begins to tell James and the elders all the things that God did in detail. In the Greek language Bible students, the Greek definition for the word detail means one by one. So Paul, one by one, began to tell the pastor all of the things about his life and ministry. Now, this is interesting because remember, at this time, Paul has been in ministry about 20 years. And if I know Paul, like I think I know Paul from the scriptures, I think Paul probably started at the beginning, 20 years ago, he probably talked about his conversion, of course. And then he talked about the first missionary journey that they went to. And Paul would probably tell Pastor James, he said, Pastor, you, I, I was at this church, this multicultural church in Antioch. He says, and those, those guys, they, they lay hands on me there in Acts chapter 13. And, and they lay hands on me and they sent me out on his first missionary journey. And then they came to a city called Paphos. You remember that? And Paul would say, Pastor, it's at this city in Paphos that we found this one guy. And his name was Eliamus. His nickname was, his real name was Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. But his nickname was Eliamus. And Eliamus was a sorcerer. And and Pastor Elias was trying to keep Sergius Paulus from receiving the gospel and from being saved. And and, and Paul says, Pastor James, you should have been there, man. He he said, I I, I turned around and I looked at Elias and I gave him a look. (laughs) He says, and I 
He says, I looked at him and I said to him, I said, you son of the devil, you're full of deceit. God's hand is on you and you're going to go blind. And pastor, if you'd have been there, he went blind at that moment. It was an amazing thing. Maybe Paul would tell Pastor James. And then he would go on in great detail how he had traveled to preach in Iconium and Lystra and Derby and then to Philippi. And pastor at Philippi, we got beat and we rejoiced. And we went, and Pastor James probably said, you did what? We rejoiced. And, and, and then they put us in prison. And while we were in prison, me and Silas, this guy named Silas, he's not with us right now, but, but he was with us. And we were in prison singing and praising God. And all of a sudden, the prison walls began to shake and the doors swung open. And, and, and this, the prison guard, the Philippian jailer, was just about to kill himself. And I said, hey, don't kill yourself because we're still here. And I had an opportunity to share the gospel with the Philippian jailer, and he got saved. And his whole household got saved. And then Pastor James, you can't believe what happened next. He took us home, and he gave us something to eat. And then we, and he washed our wounds and washed my wounds. Can you believe that? The same guy who inflicted the wounds is now washing and cleansing the wounds. And we baptized those guys there in Philippi. And then we left from there and we went to Thessalonica and then we went to Berea. And it was in Berea that I met these really smart Christians who searched the scriptures. Every time I said something, they searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. They were smart Christians there at Berea, Pastor. And then we went to Mars Hill where all the philosophers and all these smart people are. And they go there to Mars Hill to the Areopagus to hear some new stuff. And I preached a sermon. I titled the sermon to the unknown God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.